You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1026 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning. And today's show is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app from the iOS app store to find one of our Locked On rooms. Today's podcast will focus on what became a 110-88 win for the Hawks against the Bucks in Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals. And with this win, the Hawks now tie the series at 2-2. A huge win, a virtual must-win in my mind coming into the night. And the Hawks overcome the absence of Trey Young and do so with resilience and in a very impressive two-way performance overall. Role players were good. Starters were good. Everyone was good, basically, for Atlanta in this game. And the end result was a very, very positive one. Of course, injuries are still looming over the series between Trey and now Giannis is injured for Milwaukee. We don't know the status of him at this moment in time, but we'll get into all that on the podcast. But thank you for listening to the show today. Please subscribe to the podcast, and we'll dive in now at the outset. So... Coming into the game, the big story was quite obviously the health status of Trey Young. He was listed as questionable with the bone bruise in his right foot. And then before the game, Nate McMillan made him a game-time decision, which wasn't a big surprise either. But then ESPN's reporters, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Malika Andrews, reported that he was going to be out for the game. And I'm going to quote them here. They said that Young, quote, exhausted every avenue to try and find a way to return to play, but a severe lack of mobility and a significant degree of pain made it impossible, end quote. They also did report that Young hopes to play in Game 5, but um, we'll see. McMillan kind of you know, gave us a pretty similar answer post-game when he was asked about it. Um, I will just say this. That I think it's I think and hope that it's obvious, but Trey Young would have played in this game if he was able to play. He's extremely resilient. He's a very, very tough guy. He does not like to miss games. He will play through injuries. He's proven that. But I, I think it goes without saying, but it's also very obvious that I think that if this kind of injury and the impact that it had um, was clearly – a pretty big one just because of the fact that he didn't play in a virtual must-win game. And, you know, game five is a big question mark as well. So we'll see what happens there, and we'll get into Giannis later on. But um, it was, you know, significant enough to keep Trey off the floor, which means it was pretty pretty significant in my mind. Um, and with that said, I did point out before the game started that the Hawks were better this year in games that Trey just missed overall than you might think. They were 5-4, and four, and I tweeted that before the game started. Now, this is different, quite obviously, in the playoffs than it is in regular season, but they did survive those minutes, you know, being without Brandon Goodwin and all that stuff, makes you a little bit more shorthanded. But this Hawks team beat the Bucks without Trey on April 25th, about two months ago, with a similar roster. They had a great fourth quarter in that game. They caught fire. Bogdanovich, Lou, and Herter had 70 points combined, and while they didn't have that many points in this game, they all played well. It was a very similar formula in a lot of ways this time around. By the way, Lou Williams made his first career playoff start, and Lou's been around for more than a decade, which is pretty crazy. Obviously, he came off the bench for the majority of his career, but still pretty impressive there. And also his second start as a member of the Hawks since he joined the team midseason in the trade for Rajon Rondo and picks going to Atlanta. But at any rate, the folks that bet online made the Hawks nine-point underdogs in this game. It was six and a half or seven before the Trey news, and I mentioned yesterday on the podcast with Ben Ladner before I brought him in that I thought actually it might dip if Trey played, and it might rise if he didn't, and it ended up rising. But of course, the Hawks win and cover going away in this spot. 
Before we dive into the first quarter and all the tra- all the transpired in that first half, today on the road to the NBA Finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 95 calories, 26 carbs. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So it was all Hawks at the outset. It was 10 to 2. Uh, they couldn't ask for a better start, quite honestly. Bogdanovich hits a jump shot. Herder hits a jump shot. They force a timeout. Capella gets a dunk. The Bucks open one of six with two turnovers. Giannis got a foul. Everything was going towards the Hawks at the outset. They, they led by a 15 to five margin. Lou Williams was hot early. He had seven of the first 15 for Atlanta. Nate then called timeout at 15 to nine after they allowed off the rebound. And the rotation stuff was interesting from that point forward. So they bring in Chris Dunn and Cam Reddish as the first two subs after neither guy particular Dunn has been a factor at all. Cam played um, a little bit, a little bit, of course, in game two, but uh, interesting to see all of that stuff. Um, Ended up working out very well, particularly with Reddish. Chris Dunn, we can get into in a second. He was not very good, I, I didn't think. But they brought them in with Capella initially, and that's a lot of uh, offensive challenges to have those three guys playing together. They did go to Gallinari after that. I thought came out a nice drive in the early time that he was playing, but his first stint offensively was a bit of a challenge. Now, defensively, he was awesome, as he often is. He's very, very good defensively. He's very long. He's he's active. He has good instincts. As we we talked about him as defense at Dodgers about his podcast for months and even years now. But offensively, it was a bit of a struggle. Um, Done though was another level on offensive uh, struggles. He did not look comfortable with the ball at all. You know, he's not played in a long time. And you, you could actually argue he, he, he could be as, as rusty or more than Reddish, which is crazy because Dunn basically played semi-rotation minutes for like a couple of weeks this year. And other than that, has not played in a year and a half. So... The kind of, that kind of showed, I think, and it's kind of hard to play those two guys together. But anyway, they sort of leaned on Reddish more. That ended up working out very well, as we'll come back to. There was some foul trouble early with John Collins. He got two in the first four, uh, sorry, two in the first eight minutes again. They went to a Congo at that point in time, and they kind of did a pretty pure stagger between Herder and Magdanovich in an effort to not play those guys um, with each other as much, but also just not having the uh, the absence of both of them at the same time. That was very crucial, I thought. Uh, but late in the first quarter, Milwaukee had their one real run of the entire game. It was a 15 to four run to tie the game. It was a very, it was a very sloggy first quarter. It was 1919, like very late in the first quarter. They did hit Gallinari hit, hit a couple threes late in, late in the first quarter. They kind of helped sort of lift the Hawks out of that. But uh, it was pretty ugly as he tried to carry that Dunn, Cam Reddish, and a Congo lineup offensively. But the Hawks won the turnover battle pretty early. That was a good sign. And uh, they didn't, uh, you know, sort of let the lead go entirely as they did at times in Game 3. So, um, second quarter was another strong start by the Hawks, and this time it continued. So, they, Akongwu, I thought, was very, very good in his first stint. Seven points. He stood Giannis up twice defensively. Just tremendous work from him. Um, Giannis also airballed his first free throw attempt and actually airballed a second one later on, which is uh, pretty crazy to see. And then Congo had a nice help side block late in the quarter. I thought he was excellent in that stretch. The Hawks went on a 9-3 run to go up by 9 early in the second quarter. The Bucks at that point in time were 9-27 of 27 from the floor. And the Hawks did a great job of walling off the rim, I thought, the entire game. But in particular, that first quarter, quarter and a half. Milwaukee had success in the offensive glass. But other than that, their offense was really not doing much of anything. Um, it was kind of stagnant. Giannis was kind of uh, listless, I thought, early on. I didn't love how long they sat Collins for with the fouls. It didn't bite them as as it might have a little bit more in Game Three because the Congo was so, was playing so well. But that was something I wanted to always circle. But Reddish was good defensively. I thought just flying around, getting deflections. I would say generally causing havoc, which is a good thing. 
The offense did sputter a little bit late, but Herder had a nice t- sort of tough fadeaway uh, jumper to beat Shot Clock Buzzer, and then Capella scored to give them their biggest lead of the night at that point in time. They were up 13 at the half, and it was because of an 84 defensive rating in the first half. That's just ridiculously good. Milwaukee, you know, to be fair, was very bad, I thought, offensively, like very passive, settled a lot. But the Hawks have to be credited for playing great defense particularly in the first half of this game. The Bucks were 33% from the floor and 5-23 from three, with only 14 points in the paint. And if you remember from the first few games, the Bucks were scoring 30-plus points every half, and they had 14 points in the paint here. Uh, Milwaukee was an impossibly bad 8 of 34 on shots that were not directly at the rim. That's twos and threes. Any shot that was not at the rim, they were 8 of 34 in the first half. So, the Hawks did a good job contesting, but that's also a little bit of Milwaukee just being bad. Still, though, the Hawks created nine turnovers. Bogey had four steals in the first half. Cam had two. Uh, they were just very, very active and very effective. Offensively, they weren't incredible, but Lou Williams was so good in this game. Had 13 points on perfect shooting in the first half to kind of spur things. And the Hawks were very, very good from floater range. They were 9 of 13. And given where that where that percentage shot is, that like kind of short mid-range area, is like, if you're an elite floater guy, like your Trey Young type, you're shooting 50% or so, and 9 of 13 stands out in, a, in, a, in, I would say, a pretty big way. A lot of surprise in the half, but one of the big ones, I thought, before we get into a break here, is that the Hawks took 10 shots at the rim. That isn't a huge number, but the Bucks took only 7. The Hawks taking more shots in the restricted area than the Bucks did in an entire half is a hugely good sign for Atlanta, and that proved to be the case on the scoreboard. All right, before we dive into the second half and all that transpired as the Hawks pulled away in this game, it were from our friends at Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite teams, athletes, leagues, and sports. Spotify Greenroom is the perfect place to start or join the conversation about any sports topic, team, or league, and you will find fans just like you on Greenroom for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, news reactions, the latest rumors, and much more. You can even find some of the hosts from the Lockdown Podcast Network discussing your favorite teams and storylines. The Green Room is a fantastic place to engage with sports conversations, either for diehards or even for more casual observers. Download the Spotify Green Room app for free right now, currently available on all iOS devices. From there, you'll want to be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA, NFL, MLB, or NHL groups for the latest league updates. You can find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues, and the Lifetime Podcast Network is all over the place to give you the latest insight on Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app right now. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, so we'll dive into the second half now, and... The early portion of the third quarter ended up deciding this game, basically. So, on one hand, Milwaukee had their best stretch of the second half, and arguably of the game, one of their two big runs of the entire game, honestly, early in the third. So, the Hawks scored first, actually, but Dimes had a three to go up by 16. That was their biggest lead at that point. But then the Bucs went on a 10-1 run right after that, cutting the lead down to seven. Right as Giannis was starting to find his footing, he had been, again, pretty shaky in the first half, I thought, but found it a little bit, attacking the rim. And there was a big moment where the Bucs actually had a layup by P.J. Tucker to go to cut the lead down to five. Um, it went in, but it was waved off because of a moving screen clear-out foul on Brooke Lopez. It was the right call, by the way, but that was a big moment because it was going to be five, and then on the next possession, Lou hits a three, and it's back to ten. And that was uh, big, I thought. It didn't like decide the game or anything, but it was, that was a notable moment that I wanted to make sure that I highlighted because that was a, a pretty big swing of five points there. And then the big story of the during the game. You know, pregame, it was all Trey Young discussion with good reason. During the game, 
other than the scoreboard being a bit of a surprise, was Giannis' injury. So with 7.14 to go in the third, Giannis goes up to contest a lob pass to Capella and lands awkwardly on his leg. Um, it was a hyperextended knee that was announced, but he'll have more imaging, according to some reporting by ESPN, on Wednesday. Uh, it could be bad. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. Um, you know, it didn't look good for sure. And, you know, all the questions about how much it affects the basketball are certainly warranted. But this is He's their best player. He's their centerpiece. Uh, they were all kind of downtrodden, it seemed like, during the game. Um, we can get into that as a rule. But I think, you know, even if you were to say that Trey is out as well, I think if you if both guys didn't play, and that's a big if, you know, it does seem if I, you know, this is, again, this is a total guess, I think it might be more likely that Trey plays in Game 5 than Giannis. Again, that's just a total guess by me. But... If you just took them both out of the series, that's probably an advantage to the Hawks because the Hawks are just a slight bit deeper. Milwaukee's bench is just brutal, honestly. And while Trey is certainly the centerpiece of the Hawks, um, Giannis makes kind of everything go for the Bucks. And we saw sort of the theory of the case tonight with the way that Lou was able to play sometimes that, um, you know, gets, see what gets by there. But, you know, lots of questions. Maybe we'll have more information on the next podcast. But for now, uh, Giannis being hurt, it's just brutal for the league. I mean, if you're, if you're a casual observer, just a neutral observer – it's awful, you know. Credit to the Hawks fans for applauding um, as he, uh, you know, as he was able to get up and walk off. There was some classy reaction um, in the building that, that Hawks fans got a pretty uh, positive reception for nationally. But you know, beyond that, like you, you don't want to win because the guy gets hurt. And you know, the Hawks were winning this game when that happened. I, don't, I think the Hawks win this game. If you made me choose what happens, I think the Hawks were the favorite at that moment in time, up by ten. But you know, the game got easier clearly for the Hawks when that when that happened. So you know. You root for Giannis to play. You root for Trey to play. I hope everybody gets to play, and the Hawks can uh, can still succeed from there. But uh, a brutal moment, and uh, fingers crossed that he is all right for the rest of the series and beyond. Um, from there, from there though, basketball wise, the Bucks score the next possession to cut the lead to eight, and then the Hawks put the game away. So a 15-0 run by Atlanta to go from up eight to up 23, and that was basically the end of the game. Uh, Bogdanovich hit three threes. During that run, he had six threes already at that point in time in the third quarter. Um, and then, you know, it wasn't totally over. The Bucks did kind of pseudo-threaten uh, early in the fourth. But in retrospect, like, the game basically ended on that, on that 15-0 run, which is not a huge surprise given that it went from 8 to 23. Um, late, in the, late in the third quarter, the Hawks tried to steal some minutes with, with Dunn and Nolu or Bogdanovich at the end of the third. Um, they went to Gallo in the post. That worked out pretty well. And the Reds actually had a nice catch-and-shoot three that I made note of. Cam shot the ball very effectively and very confidently, which is good to see. And the ones for me is always, at least for now with Cam, are when you're are the ones when he's open, not hesitating, just catching and shooting. You know, He gets, obviously, lots of attention for his ability to put the ball on the floor and take the more contested jump shots, which he made a few of in this game. But for me, it's the ability to just kind of catch-and-shoot, footwork, confidence, knock it down. That was a really, really beautiful one of those at the end of the third quarter. But the Hawks were awesome in the third overall. They shot 62% from the floor and hit seven threes in the third quarter. And at the end of the third, the Hawks were shooting better from the floor than the Bucks were shooting from three. So, sorry, the opposite of that. The Hawks were shooting better from three than the Bucks were shooting from the floor. I didn't sound right coming out of my mouth. But you, you get the gist. The Hawks were uh, outplaying the Bucks by a lot, and they were up by 25. Yes, 25 at the end of the third quarter. Um, as I mentioned before, the early fourth quarter was a little bit of a teeter, by Atlanta, they didn't score for about three and a half minutes to open the fourth quarter, and it was a 9-0 run by the Bucks to get down to 16. But you know, you're still up 16 at that point with with like eight and a half minutes to go. You're still a massive favorite there, and they came alive a little bit from there. They scored a little bit. Uh, Capella, though, 
I, I call this the dagger. It wasn't probably the official one, but it was such a crazy shot. Capella hits a ridiculous, like, over-the-backboard heave uh, to put the Hawks up by 20 with seven minutes to go. Uh, that kind of put the game away. Uh, you know, the Bucks didn't stop from there, but uh, it was never closer than 17 after that, so that was kind of uh, academic at that point. Unfortunately, the one big note at the end of the fourth quarter was Clint Capella, who took a shot to the face and went to the locker room with about three and a half minutes to go. After the game, the Hawks announced that he was elbowed in the right eye during the fourth quarter. He was examined post-game by the team ophthalmologist, and he'll be re-examined again on Wednesday. So no details other than that's all that he was examined. So it didn't look great. He was down in a heap for a long while. I was worried about the orbital bone, all that stuff. You know, it's I know it's on the eye, but he looked to be in some severe pain. So we'll see what happens there. No other update beyond that. But Capella, you know, while Akong was playing well, they do need Capella, um, obviously, to be, to be at their best. Um, Akong can only play so much, and uh, having both those guys is very appealing for their defense, etc. Um, and that did encourage me to get the guys off the floor. You could certainly argue that Nate probably should have had Capella off the floor at that point. The game was probably secure. But, you know, it was just in that sort of in-between area where the Bucks had just pulled their starters. Um, but anyway, uh, and the, the last moment sort of legacy of this night at the end of the game was the State Farm Arena crowd chaining Hawks and Six, um, which is a direct play on the Bucks and Six uh, trope that they've always sort of trotted out there. So that was a fun moment at the end of the game as the Hawks fans justifiably got to celebrate what was a momentous win for Atlanta. So not a whole lot of drama in the fourth quarter other than the Capella injury, uh, but in terms of on the scoreboard, the Hawks led by double figures for basically, I don't know, the last 20 minutes almost of this game. It was pretty much dominant after the one run by the Bucks early in the third quarter. All right, before we get to the takeaways and some observations from this night and much, much more, a word from our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is wonderful, as I always say on the podcast, but what is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? And when you talk about Built Bar, it's always a passionate thing for people that really enjoy their own flavors. And if you don't know the flavors, you're really missing out. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and many more. There's something for everyone. And my favorite flavor right now, anyway, I have many favorites, to be honest with you. But right now, I'm really loving the peanut butter brownie. That's just one that I'm really enjoying. I like to dive into that as much as possible. I always uh, talk about how much I enjoy Built Bar, and that is the one that I am diving into at this moment in time. If you haven't tried the flavors, though, get a mixed box right now where you get two of each of the nine available flavors at this moment in time. And not only are the Built Bar flavors fantastic, they're also very healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs, and a couple others have even more protein if you enjoy that kind of thing. Order today, get that raspberry mint brownie or whatever you would like, and if you do it in the near future, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your first order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by the folks at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the easiest and the fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is definitely here and in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. Plus, in addition to baseball, the NBA playoffs are here, as you're listening to all the time on this podcast. And uh, beyond that, all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Of course, you have MLB and NBA, and you have NHL, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, all that you can think of. It's all there at BetOnline.ag. Before the next pitch or dribble, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information that you can find all in one place. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game and get in on the action. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today 
and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with betonline.ag. That's a 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code, one more time, is Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with the site on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, we'll get into some observations now. I want to start with the defense, which is very on brand for me, I know. But the Hawks were awesome defensively in this game. They held the Bucks to a sub-100 offensive rating for the entire game. It was even better than that through three quarters um, when the game was more competitive. They had a 94 defensive rating through three quarters. That was the competitive portion. And um, the Hawks just did a fantastic job in this game. You know, they held Milwaukee to 44 points in the paint, which is already really, really low compared to their usual output. They only had 28 at the end of the third quarter, which is, again, more indicative of how dominant the Hawks were defensively between Capella and Okongwu and Collins and Reddish um, and Bogdanovich making plays on the on the perimeter. They're just, they were awesome in this game defensively. The Bucks did offensive rebound uh, decently, but the Hawks cleaned that up a little bit in the second half, which is helpful. That's a lot of the pathway of Milwaukee's offense recently in the series has been their offensive rebounding, and that, that sort of dried up for them, which is a credit to Atlanta. Um, other than that, you know, turnovers 15 for the Bucks. That's more than the Hawks had, so they won that battle. And uh, you know, they were just creating difficult shots for Milwaukee. I think it's fair to say that Milwaukee missed more of their perimeter looks than you that you would expect them to miss. They were eight of 39 from three, and not all of those are bad shots. But the Hawks did make an impact on their approach, and you know, with or without Giannis um, is obviously a huge factor. But the Hawks did make life more difficult on Middleton and Holiday in this game. A lot of that's reddish, but also Bogdanovich is moving better at this point in time. Herder was good defensively. Lou was feisty for Lou anyway. So and uh, just more defense on the floor, basically. You know, when they did, when they didn't have Lou on the court, basically in this game, they had no weaknesses. Like Lou was the only guy. He, he played 35 minutes, but the other 13 minutes of this game, basically, they had no one defensively that's like a pick on guy. Uh, Bogdanovich and Herder are fine. Um, you know, Chris Dunn's good defensively. Obviously, Cam's good defensively. So. Uh, that is uh, some, uh, you know, Gallinari is a bit of a weakness sometimes, but at least he's big. Um, at any rate, we'll leave that there for now. Um, offensively, the Hawks were also quite good in this game. A 118-ish offensive rating, 50% from the floor, um, a modest 34% from three, nothing crazy. They were better than the Bucks, but not like off the charts. Um, Passing-wise, they had 26 assists, 12 turnovers. That's a pretty decent ratio. They won the transition game, 14 fast break points. It goes to only nine for Milwaukee. That's something that has not happened much in this series um and also they you know they just kind of were smart about what they did in this game there were some four shots but in the end they were good from floater range they shot 62 percent on, on twos that's an that's sort of an elite figure mid-range was their friend uh in this spot in a way that it may not may not always be but the hawks did play uh, well enough offensively i think again it was a defensive first win for atlanta in my mind but the offense was more than good enough against a good bucks defense and uh, it was a total team effort as a result of that. Um, speaking of team efforts, the individual stuff as we go through this um, player by player, uh, Skylar Mays, Tony Snell, Bruno Fernando, Nathan Knight all played just garbage time only, so not a whole lot of observations there. The Nathan Knight had a dunk as he is wont to do in the fourth quarter. Notable, Solomon Hill did not play at all in this game. Uh, I'm sure he might have been able to get out there for garbage time, and uh, he's a veteran, so he, maybe he turned that down in some respects. But um, that's a notable change. Obviously, Nate's been rolling with Solomon Hill. 
um, as a frequent contributor in the rotation. I talked about that with uh, with Ben Ladner yesterday on the podcast. I know Tower Jones was uh, poking fun at me about the Cam about the Cam Hill thing, and I did make sure to note on the podcast yesterday with Ben that I thought Cam was the higher was the higher upside option. There was no question about that, and we saw that a little bit in this game. But I was a little bit surprised they didn't play Solo at all, just because of with Trey out they were shorthanded, but they basically chose to go with Dunn and Reddish, and Reddish is obviously the right decision. Um, we'll see if Solo makes another appearance in the series, but uh, I think that was the right. It was it was obviously worked out very well, very very well in this spot. Solo I think is some is somewhat more maligned than he probably should be, but at the same time he's not someone you want to be playing if you can help it right now. So it worked out very well to not play him in this game. Uh, Chris Dunn, 11 minutes. He didn't score. He did have a steal and a block. He was active defensively for sure. Chris Dunn, you don't have to worry about defensively at all. Um, offensively, I think it actually is, at least what we saw in this game, I think he is an overall negative because of how bad he is on, on offense. And that's someone, I wanted him to sign Chris Dunn. I believed in that. I think the problem is he just hadn't played for so long that he does not look comfortable at all offensively. And even at his absolute best, Chris Dunn is like not someone you're enthused by offensively, but he looked um, out of sorts on that end of the floor. Uh, defensively, he adds a lot, but um, I, I think, and I made this point during the game, if this was close in the second half, I would have advocated for them to go to an eight-man rotation. They played nine in the first half. I would have gone to eight and not, and not played Dunn, but they were up by 20, so it didn't matter. But keep an eye on that if Trey cannot play. I think if Trey plays, you will not see Chris Dunn again in the series. If he doesn't play, maybe you will see him in game five, but that's a question mark in my mind. Um... Gallinari was kind of quiet in this game. A couple of good ISO possessions, I thought, in the post that the Hawks needed at, at times, but 10 points on eight shots. Not terribly efficient, but not, not bad either. Was plus three off the bench, 19 minutes. Just didn't play a ton, though, because the Hawks didn't need him, number one, and also because uh, they got a little bit more from the other guys that were supporting pieces like Cam in this game. Uh, Akongwu, 15, 15 minutes, uh, which is normal, a little bit higher than he normally plays, but he was very, very good. Again, seven points, three rebounds, had a block shot. I thought he was good defensively. He was active. He made a, he made a sort of a nice little push floater shot in this game. Uh, yeah, what are you going to say? The rookie has been rock solid in this series. Um, and then finally, on the, off the bench, you have Cam. So Cam Reddish, defensively, is where I always want to lead with Cam. He was excellent using his length. McMillan said they wanted him, him ready for some matchups. He did mention Middleton by name. That was certainly the matchup that I thought he was going to be best in, and he was best in, in this game. Um, and, you know, his activity, his length, like two steals, a block, uh, five rebounds, just being active, being long, you can bank on his defense. I think if there's one question maybe is that he might be a little bit overzealous at times, but you don't have to worry about that too much in this series. And he is by far their best wing defender available, not even close. And they're going to probably lean on that a little bit in the rest of the series. The question mark with Cam, though, is always offense. And quite frankly, in the first stint that he played, you kind of saw why, in my view. I, th- I think he was pretty bad in that first half offensively. Um, a couple of out-of-control drives. He had a pretty bad air ball-ish three-pointer that made, I think I think hit the backboard. Um, you saw a little bit of that's kind of the downside. But in the second half, he was confident. He found it. He made two threes, uh, including the catch-and-shoot one that I spent some time on earlier on the podcast. Five-nine from the floor. So you see the upside. I mean, Cam's always been a really talented guy, uh, and you see that. I-, I think that it would be wise not to expect that offensively in every game in this series, particularly his second half output, but defensively you can't expect that. Like he is a 
game-wrecking defender who is very active, and he does have the ability offensively to give you a big half or a big quarter, and that's also very helpful as well. So I expect now that he's played some real minutes against um, the starters from Milwaukee, you will now see him in every game. I would be surprised if he didn't, and uh, we'll see how he fares. But um, he's their best option against Middleton, so we'll, I expect to see that a lot in Game 5 and beyond. Um, to the starters. Not not like not not across the board dominant. Like John Collins had a kind of a bad game um, for him, but hilariously he was he was a game high plus twenty six. He had four points on two of eight shooting. Now he was effective defensively, and he had six rebounds, a steal, and a block. So it wasn't like John was completely useless. But offensively, he just didn't give them really anything at all in this game, and they still won it comfortably because of his defense, because of everybody else. Um, Bogdanovich had kind of a weird game. He was six of fourteen from three, which is huge. I mean, him making six threes is massive, but he was one of five on two, so he wasn't actually, like, overly efficient. Like, he took 20, sorry, he took 19 shots to score 20 points, which is not, like, again, not eye-popping, but the threes were big, particularly the three threes that he hit in the 15-0 run in the third quarter, and he had four steals, very, very active, physical. He looks better to me physically, um, moving laterally and also explosiveness-wise, had five assists. His playmaking was very big in this game. All three of the Williams, Herter, Bogdanovich uh, trio were big as playmakers in this game, and they had to have that without Trey. So good to see him bouncing back. He was having fun out there for sure. I'm sure he's not 100% in terms of his physicality, but his threes won in this game, and if you get that from him, that's obviously quite big. Kevin Herter um, was the opposite of Bogdanovich. He was one of seven on threes, but he was six of eight on twos. Um, a couple of really nice floaters. Like ever since the Seth Curry games that he's having in the Philly series, Herter's been very aggressive getting to his mid-ranger and getting his, getting to his floater game. It's been effective. It's been fun to watch. He him sort of gaining confidence in that. 15 points, seven assists, six rebounds. Just a solid across-the-board effort from Herter. Good defense as well on Drew Holiday and others. So another nice night for Herter, who makes himself even more even more money by the day. You would imagine. And then Lou Williams, 21 points, eight assists, five rebounds, plus 15. Perfect shooting in the first half, still for the full game, 7-9 from the floor, 2-3 from 3, 5-6 from the free throw line. Just incredibly efficient. He drew all kinds of platitudes from McMillan after the game for a steady hand and his uh, you know, his ball security and the fact that he was able to run the offense. And he's the only guy on the roster that can kind of do what Trey does. Now, no one's Trey, don't get me wrong, but he's the only guy who can get in the, into the defense off the dribble. Um, Milwaukee was letting him go left, which is not what I would advise, but hey, if you're the Hawks fans, you would love that. And Lou is awesome. In this game, like, you can't ask for more than that, what he was able to do in this spot, leading the team in scoring. Uh, just rock solid and awesome night for Lou at the office. And I should mention Capella at the end. I mentioned him earlier about the injury, but 15.7 rebounds, good defensively. Him and Kongwu were, were both excellent on Giannis and Brook Lopez throughout this game. So uh, Clint, hopefully he's all right for his uh, after being drilled in the eye late in the game. But um, we'll update that as we get any, any more information on it. So at this point, uh, the series, it's its tough to prognosticate right now on the rest of the series because we just don't have the information on Trey's status or Giannis' status, and those are the two of the best players in the world uh, and the best players on their teams. So thats uh, it's hard to talk about the series moving forward at this moment in time on Tuesday night into Wednesday. Um, maybe we'll know more um, by Wednesday afternoon slash evening to sort of preview Game 5, but Game 5 is looming. It's Thursday in Milwaukee, and in a 2-2 series, the Game 5 winner wins a large portion of the time. Uh, and the game is in Milwaukee, for sure, but we've now seen what the Hawks are capable of doing uh, against this similar Bucks team. Um, I think if both guys are out, Milwaukee might be favored on on bound line. Uh, I think it'd be pretty close, though. So I think we go from 2-1 and without home court to 
now a situation where the Hawks have tied the series. Giannis might have a serious injury, which is unfortunate, but it's just the reality. And they win this game, and now it's 2-2, best of three. Two games in Milwaukee, but the series prices that I sort of poked fun at about how high they were with Ben yesterday, about how the Hawks were not getting a whole lot of respect in the betting market, I would guess those come way, way down at this point in time. Not only because of the injury, but because of the loss they had in this game. So, we'll see. Uh, it's all going to come down to injuries. Like, if for some reason Giannis is in and Trey's out, i got to tell you that, you know, the Bucks are favored. And, and make no mistake... The Bucks should have been favored in this game tonight. The Hawks won it, and the Hawks played awesome, and they won going away. But objectively, coming into the night, if you say Milwaukee's pretty healthy and the Hawks don't have Trey, Milwaukee's going to be favored in that game. Uh, if that's the same thing that happens in Game 5, we'll see. But I think the Hawks have got to be feeling great right now. I mean, they, they win this game. They do so without Trey. They're feeling confident. They're such a resilient bunch, and Nate has them believing in themselves. So... Um, a lot has changed in the last 24 hours or so, but the, the tenor of the series is one of those things that has changed, and we'll see how the Hawks respond to that moving forward in Game 5. Uh, listen to this podcast, for sure. The archives are still full. Myself and Ben Ladner on yesterday's on yesterday's show, all kinds of old episodes as well. They're still right for the picking if you like to catch up on the podcast, but please subscribe to the show as well. Uh, rate and review if you're able to do that. Tell your friends about the show as well. I might have a show. I want to stress might. I might have a show between now and and Game 5. I will not have one after Game 5 in terms of beyond the normal show. I will have my normal recap show, but between 5 and 6, it'll just be those recap shows. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm actually traveling over the weekend. Uh, we'll see what happens there, but um, I'll be available and we'll, we'll record a podcast after every game as I am often going to do. So subscribe. We'll uh, see you guys after the game and uh, enjoy this win. If you're a Hawks fan, enjoy this one. It was a fun night. The crowd was awesome and uh, one of those memorable evenings in this, in this fantastic run for Atlanta. So we'll see you after game five.